welcome to church. I just, within the spirit of, of worship that the, the team so beautifully brought us into, I want to do a visual illustration to, to just to, to build on what I think the Spirit's already saying. Uh, if you don't mind, take your, take your left hand and place it out in front of you and, and just, just a little, uh, little exercise like what we might do with a, a kid, but sometimes it helps us do movement. To do movement, it helps us. So I just, I really want you in the spirit of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit to, to think about your, your current struggle, your current, current dilemma, your current consequences or circumstances, things that, that, that really take a lot of your energies Maybe it's a burden. I want to use, you know, I can't use every right word, but I think you'll get the picture. I really want you to imagine that, and, that you put it there and, and you know what it is. It may be several things. Just, just quietly in your heart, put it there. And I want you to take your right hand and I just want you to cup it, okay? And leave it out here. Now, if you, if you hold your hand like this, you, you put your fingers together, it almost kind of represents a, a wing, okay? And I, I really want you, you see, what the Spirit does through worship that we don't always recognize, sometimes depending on our church background, we come in, we sing some songs, and there's some teaching, and it's just ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. But let me just tell you, through our worship, God, through His Holy Spirit, desires to tear down strongholds. He desires to really allow you to say, here's my stuff, and I give it, right? I, I, it's hard, but I give it. Sometimes I can even see if I was to turn around and watch you worship. Sometimes this, you can tell a person's burden just by the way they raise their hands in worship. I, I just can't, man, I wish one day I'll get to a place like this, but right now it's, and you write this burden, this burden. So whatever it is, and then I want you to just, Take this, and, and even if it's just an exercise that I have to talk you in or the Holy Spirit talks you in by the end of the message and end of this service, I want you to look at that hand and say, I trust you. Ready? Go. Okay. Just whisper, right? Isn't it amazing in this moment that it was a whisper? No one said it really loud. So that means you're identifying, you're following this. And then... I just want you to take that wing, I trust you, and then place it over those and say, in Jesus' name. Ready? Burden, I trust you in Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul, in this work of Ephesians, this letter, has been taking us on a journey. Now, it took us all summer. But really, he's taking us on a journey so that we might understand that simple little exercise that we easily could teach kids, but wasn't it fun to kind of be in a Sunday school moment, right? He desires for us to start the letter and end the letter. They would have read it all the way through. They may have read it multiple times. They would have recopied it so other churches might know this word from the Holy Spirit so that it might be known in its entirety. We're getting into a passage that has a tendency to have almost a life of its own. I've taught it this way. There's nothing wrong with teaching it this way, but man, we'll get to spiritual warfare. 
and would just talk about spiritual warfare and what we've got to do to battle. And we're going to do that. But maybe a little differently with this passage. I'm going to trust that some, this is completely foreign to you, and I'm just going to say this is going to be a beautiful introduction. For those of you that have gone through every piece of the armor, through studies and so forth, this is just going to be another interpretation that allows us to see it maybe more holistically. You see, the Apostle Paul would want us to remember what he's written in chapters 1 and 2 to get to chapter 6. He doesn't, I don't think he would want it to necessarily become a series of its own. He would have said, now, because what will you'll do is you'll talk about this, but you'll forget what I'm trying to set up to get you to this place. You see, chapter 1 and 2, I'm talking about the cosmic view of God. You see, if he is all-powerful, if he did speak the universe, if you are not by chance, if there are all those theological terms, right, if you really are predestined in my heart and my mind, your destiny, I know it, then when you get to spiritual warfare, please keep that in mind. Don't forget the, the, the premise that God is in control of all this. His sovereignty is going to get you through. But what we have a tendency to do, I said it almost every message, so I'll probably say it next week just so that I can have every message that I've said that. What we have a tendency to do as Christians is we want to get into the to-dos, right? So we almost love, we hate them, we have to do them or not do them at all, but we want to get to those passages of scriptures that are so practical in their theology and practical so that I can do something. And then it says, do this, and you go, I can't do this. This is hard. I can't stop this. Right? So the Apostle Paul gets us into 4, 5, and 6, and he says, listen, don't be like the Gentiles. You remember your way before Christ. Follow the Spirit. Allow yourself to practice these things. Don't, don't do what they once did, and whatever you do, be unified. Help each other unify around this faith. The, 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 this faith is important. You're going to have these times where you're dealing with stuff, and, and, and if you're not careful, you will you will question, and there's nothing wrong with questioning. God is not scared of any of your questions, but yet at the same time, he may be scared of some of the offshoot answers that you go after. And so he says, just remember, to, I trust you in Jesus' name. You see, that's spiritual warfare. When you think of, you know, I was, I was driving by, and I love this season. You, you may not be a football fan, but I just love football, and I even love it at the little yaffle deal, right? So you'll, you'll go by these parks, and you'll see these little kids, right? They got the helmets that's bigger than them. They got the shoulder pads, right? I mean, I've even taught it at a youth camp. You get a little kid has got football uniform on. You got the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, and, you know, you do all of this stuff, right? So you see these little guys, and I just tell you, Every time I see a little guy and I think of this, I think of myself. I think of myself as David in Saul's armor, right? It's like, oh. And, 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 and so with this, there's absolutely pertinent information there. And I just challenge you to study it on your own. Google it. There are great teachers out there that, that you can get the incremental data. I'm going to say that what that armor does is it says... That, I mean, it says to stand, but that armor is that reminder of the total protection of what God desires to do in and through us. No matter what we go through, if we stand firm, then we can know without a shadow of a doubt that I trust in him in Jesus' name and God's covering me. 
Sometimes we think, I believe, if we are not careful, we'll scatter our soul, and that'll make sense here in a minute, that we scatter our soul and our energies and our anxieties and our bitternesses and all of that stuff. We scatter it out to here and there and there and there and there. And we forget and leave ourselves open to the spiritual warfare. And I'm going to suggest that there's one objective of Satan in this message. I'm sure he can do it a zillion and thousand ways. I'm sure that you've been attacked in this way, one way or another, whether it's from the principalities of worldviews, the principality himself, one of his demonic doing his little thing. Uh, But I'm going to suggest that today we can stand firm, and the Apostle Paul wants us to know that we can stand firm in trusting God. Sounds so basic, but I'm saying to you that the evil one, if he can pull us and get us spread out without God's covering, it will get to that point. We can believe, but there is something about believing, right? Satan knows that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. He would love for you to deny Christ for sure, but he would most certainly desire for us to have heard the Apostle Paul and what all his God has done in the redemptive work of Christ and still live our days until we get to eternity questioning if we can truly trust God. I think that's his greatest attack. And if he can get us there, he knows each of us, and so with that, he will, in a sophisticated way, allow us to be distracted to where we go off questioning and try to find answers in all other places, or the spiritual attack that says, listen, you really can't believe that truth. Ah, you don't know, you don't know, whatever that is. And so what I'd like for us to do, it will not be on the screen, I hope you have your Bibles. If not, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. I'd love for you to turn our attention to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, this wonderful, you have heard many, many verses out of this one passage of Scripture. These are the kind, some of these Scriptures are what you see on the wall at Grandma's house, right? It's one of those kind of passages. Psalm 91. The psalmist says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fouler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. Under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Now we're going to continue with that psalm. But what we see here is we see a promise. And then he defines the promise where I think Satan gives his, where I think spiritual warfare is really the most present in our lives. And then the psalmist ends with words from God. We get to hear directly from God, directly from God. God's word is God's word to us, but this is God's word in God's word to us. I kind of like that in Hebrew poetry. Whenever you see double, double, right? Trust, trust, sure, sure. That's Hebrew poetry's way of saying You can bank on it, baby. You can know it. And so at the end, we're going to hear from God. Now, the promise is what? We can trust in God. Some of us go, I don't see the spiritual warfare there. Hang on. This is where my explanation comes. You see, the next verses give us this beautiful picture of what we have in God. But then lies the dilemma. Listen to what the psalmist says. You will not fear the terror of night, 
nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling place, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up in their hands, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. What beautiful Hebrew poetry! What tremendous promises of God! What great truths to, to, to really lift our hearts and our souls to. You can see I'm setting this up, right? Because I think most of us in this room, with maybe the exception of those that have not had a lot of travail yet, I really think, I agree with Tim Keller, I think, I think you can live a charmed life up until about 40, right? Everything can be just going great. But man, there's just something about life that eventually you're like, oh gosh. And then many of us, many of us have experienced things very early that don't sound like Psalm 91. (laughs) Another passage says, you will go through the fire, but you won't be burned. What in the world is that? May I ask with a raise of hands, have you ever been through a fiery trial that you thought you kind of felt the flames and the heat? Can I see your hands if you've experienced that? Right? So what do we do? What do we do with this dilemma? I'm suggesting to you that this is the most subtle power that Satan knows to challenge us in. If we question the very things of God that we say and in our worship, all these things that seem so big and out there, but if we were to get into a small group or if we were to really be open and honest with one another, we're going... I know what God's saying in that. I mean, I, I know. I mean, I know. But I feel like I've experienced disease. I think I've experienced pestilence. I think I've, right? We go through this. You see, today we want to focus, and Paul wants us to know that through these fiery trials, everything that we put on, God already covered us in so we're only putting on that which he has provided and he wants us to take his provision and to absorb ourselves stand in it so that even when the subtleness of life comes or the treachery of life comes that we can stand firm in our faith standing firm in the faith is trusting god the evil one who knows scripture Scripture twists. I'm going to suggest to you that even in the 21st century, as a theologian, you know, part-time theologian, I do the very best I can to study Scripture so that I can teach. And, and you know, I mean, the, the, the pressure to teach correctly is, is insurmountable. If you've never done it, then you don't understand it. But when you do it, you're just going, Lord, I need this to be right on. I, I, you know, I don't even want to be an inch of error. I, I, you know, and so with that, Satan also uses Scripture. 
But we know even in the life of the church that the tickling ears that Paul told Timothy in the pastorals is that we are living in a generation that, that is receiving this, I think, the work, the subtle work of the evil one to disunify the, the faith because if something troubling comes, what we have a tendency to do, maybe not we in this room, but we in general, we can get ourselves caught in, in saying, can we trust him in this? And so then when we question ourselves if we can trust him in this and we're doing everything that we can, then there's a double burden. There's the burden we're going through and the burden of not knowing if we can trust the one who certainly has promised that he's with us, that we can handle this. In this psalm, you may have heard refuge and strength. That was probably a nice plaque at Grandma's, right? Bathroom wall, crocheted, or, you know, tatted, whatever. But there's another one. Do you remember hearing this anywhere? For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift, up, uh, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Does it sound familiar? Anybody want to yell it out if you know it? Temptation of Jesus. Luke chapter 4. The very last temptation, right? Satan has got his reign. He's the ruler of the world. And in that ruler of the world, he comes to Jesus. And he takes Jesus up to the top so that he could see all of Jerusalem and see all of the quote-unquote kingdoms of the world. And Satan, scripture twisting, uses this very passage of scripture to tell Jesus, listen, my Listen, Jesus, I know who you are. It's not like I'm trying to tempt you because I don't know who you are. As a matter of fact, I know you so much. Let me just tell you that you don't, you don't need to go suffer. Why suffer? You don't need to bring, you know, you've already come from immortality to mortality. You've put on their flesh and their blood. You, you, you know that you what they're going through, but you don't have to go through a level of suffering. You don't have to take this path. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you what I can give you. And what does Jesus do? Jesus rebukes him. Jesus says, don't mess with, my translation again, don't mess with the Father's words. You see, Satan would love for us to get to a place that we have such an idealistic view that when we do question, we're not questioning the, 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 the situation. We are questioning the one who's bringing us through the situation. You see, the identification of suffering, of pain, of, of travail, of temptation, all of those things are what Jesus taught us that we would go through being a follower of his. It's already a part of the game. Sometimes I wonder if I don't want to go back and go to those original teachers going, you didn't say that when I came to Jesus, right? You remember coming to Christ, it was like you felt free for the very first time, and then struggle came, temptation came, something, came, something filled the hand. And then we're going, oh. Satan desires for us, the devil, the evil one, he desires for us 
even the worldview of our day that Satan does not have to work overtime in our world because of the worldviews that are out there. He wants us to question and not trust the one who has us. Luke chapter 4 speaks of, of that. Luke chapter 21, Jesus says some pretty profound words. Luke chapter 21, I'm going to start at verse 16. These are the words of Jesus to his followers. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. Do you hear a dilemma there? Now our very Lord is telling the disciples that not even a hair on their head. Do you see this almost magnification of something that is very difficult for us to understand? Because if you die, aren't you, isn't your head kind of a part of the deal? See, he wants us to think. Evil one loves this. He, he, he thinks Jesus is giving us this. He thinks the psalmist is giving this, this wide gap so that we can just keep questioning and wondering, where is God? Where is God? Can I trust him? And yet Jesus, in one sentence, gives us that same tension so that we might be ready to stand putting on the full armor of God, so that when the flaming arrows of, of confusion, so when the chaos comes, so when the troubles come. You see, if my troubles are anything like your troubles, there are things that came that there was no way I could predict, and it rocked my world. There were other things that came that I go, I got to be honest, I can't, I got, I got, this is going to be an age illustration. You have to be a certain age to get this, right? You know, I want to go flip Wilson on some of this. Watch it, sucker, the devil made me do it, right? That's an old thing. YouTube it, I dare you, okay? There's some things that I can't blame on the evil one. It's, I'm reaping what I've sown. Other times, it's, it's because of, of, of him desiring to train me as one of his sons he desires for me to be disciplined, and so he disciplines me. And so sometimes those things that metaphorically are in our hand, we, we're trying to say, okay, now is this evil or is this not evil? Is this God? Is it not God? You see in that confusion, the evil one already loves confusion. So if we're experiencing true confusion, he adds more confusion, then he knows we will question and trust our trust of God, trust that he's really got us. What Jesus is saying and what the psalmist is saying in this one little way is that God has got this and he that began a good work in us is going to bring us through. Let me read the old King James version of this very passage. He says, And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you shall cause, some of you shall cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my namesake. 
but there shall not a hair of your head perish. That seems like the overstatement. Then Jesus says this, In your patience, possess ye your souls. I love this. As much as the old language can be confusing, I think the King James Version is the best translation of this particular word from Christ. In your patience, that's us, in your patience, possess ye your souls. Jesus is giving us a picture, and he's saying, Paul is said to stand firm. You get yourself ready. Stand firm. Get that belt of truth. Everything you'll see is like, uh, it's a Roman illustration of the very thing that we see God talking about in his scripture, right? The fowler snare. That first four verses, it shows God in a female bird, a, a, a girl bird format to where you see this bird that's coming in and she's going to take care of her little ones. That's the perfectness of God. He's the father, but yet he doesn't go astray. He's not distracted. He's got us, even though we as little ones may not know the cry of the prey that's bigger than us, may not be able to sense what's going on down the way to where we really need protected. If we come in and we now scatter, if the mother comes back, they could easily scatter because they sense something. Jesus knows that we also scatter. And in scattering, we send little deposits of our own in these other categories. You see, we could list off the things that we struggle with that become sort of the emotional answer when, you know, when we, sh we know, oh, right? Whether it's earning a living, the drivenness of money, the, the false intimacy, chasing, whatever it is, right? All this sin of the world. He, he knows that if we're not careful, we will scatter these situations will begin to try to find answers in all these other areas because we're anxious, we're big. All those things that the Apostle Paul spent time in chapters 3 and 4, go back and read it in this context. He says, listen, stay. Right? Tighten. Gird yourself in him so that you don't scatter. We might say so walk around with your pants down below your rear end trying to walk through the mall and you got your legs spread out like this. Right? If you have, I do apologize. No. Jesus desires for us to know that he knows we're easily scattered. But what he wants us to know is that yes, through the fiery trials, through the things that have caused us massive pain, through the sufferings that don't seem to make any sense, make all the sense in the world to God to bring us through. Look at any narrative in the Scripture, and you will see pain that God brings through to ultimate victory. 
every narrative. And that's our narrative. That's our story. That's our life. Jesus would want us to not spread our souls. Be patient. Are you being tested in patience right now? Because that which you hold in your hand? Then by God, be unified with the Lord. Let him cover you. I trust you in Jesus' name. You see, the psalmist closes this out with very words from God. And that's why you have to read. It's, it's okay to have these nice little things on the refrigerator, but what you do as Bible students is you've got to read the whole thing. Or you might get misled. You may get run amok, right? There's, you, there's so many things that you all do that I look at and I go, I don't know how you do that on, on a daily basis. It's just way beyond my brain span. Some of you got brains as big as this bill. I don't get it, right? But what he desires for each of us, it's not just a Caffrey commodity. It's a commodity that he wants every biblical believer to have, and that is to finish the passages. Read it through so that you can know and understand what he's saying. Now in the context and in the light of what has been said, let's read verses 14 through 16. Now this is God responding. It's like an oracle in Hebrew poetry. Because he loves me, this is God saying this, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him any of you have it? In, in trouble. In trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? You see what Jesus did for us. And if you don't know him, I pray that today the Holy Spirit, that you would give him a listening. Because it doesn't take very long to believe that you may not believe in the actual devil, devil, but I know that you certainly believe in the chaos of this world. And while the chaos is going along, there is one who has redeemed and rescued many in this room, but for you, he desires for you to quit scattering and putting your soul everywhere and allow him to collect you and put you in. And so what Jesus does is he comes down in immortality, put on mortality. And he understood and understands and he was, he was brutalized. And as the mother bird would cover, whether it's a fire or a storm or prey, that mother covers so that if the prey comes, the prey focuses on the mother as opposed to to her hands, and she dies. I mean, her, her littles, and she dies. That's exactly what our Christ did for us, is that he came on, giving himself the ability to die, and he died, so that all of us might be rescued, so that you too might be rescued. And God says, listen, Jesus even says it, the things that you're going through in this life, unpredictable, predictable, understand, understandable, you will not be harmed because I have an eternal view of you. 
everything that you're going through is nothing, nothing, nothing. Even your goofy mistakes that you're now reaping what you've sown. Even the discipline that you might get because of sin. It's never wasted in my economy. And as you come through these sufferings and these trials, I already know the better you. I already know what you look like. You may feel your hair is singed or you've lost it or you just don't know. But I do. And I pray, I think Jesus says this, I pray, right, that they might be unified, that they may follow me. John chapter 17, I believe he says, he wants us to say, I trust you in my name, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for his great reminder. Father, I pray that as your spirit works on our hearts and our minds, that that your spirit will have done with this text today, through its nourishment, what it needed to do as a meal for those that have come. Father, if there is one or many that have yet to accept you and receive you, have burdened and burdened with questions. Father, if today is the day of their salvation, God, I pray that they would communicate that decision with us as they give their heart and their mind over to you and receive you by trusting in you and believing in you. Father, I just rejoice in their decision. And for the many of us who just needed the reminder to trust in you, in Jesus' name, strengthen us continually to that end as we go through this life. And may Jesus get the praise. Amen.